Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre, all the sorrows grow on your wail. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I am your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome along to episode 81 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we are telling the tale of the three laughs of the leprechaun. Would you believe for an 81st episode, our very other an Irish folklore and mythology podcast, and that is our very first episode about a leprechaun, that most notorious and infamous of Irish fairies and misunderstood and there is good reason that he has not been featured so far but we'll get to that first of all I want to thank you all for tuning in and for listening along today wherever in the world you are thank you if you're a new listener welcome along if you're a returning listener thank you so much for your continued support please do continue to leave ratings and reviews of the podcast wherever you get them uh, please do follow me on Instagram at FiresideBard, all one word, if you want to support. It really helps the podcast to build the social media profile as much as possible. And of course, if you do really want to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash fireside podcast, where you can join our ever growing list of incredibly generous benefactors. And I want to give a big welcome to our two most recent, uh, our two most recent patrons, one for this week and one for last week, who I don't think I, I gave a shout out to last week, so I apologize for that. And that is to Martin Karen and Chuck Lyle. Thank you so much for joining the Patreon family for joining the list the like the list that's now starting to grow to numbers I I wasn't sure was possible but it really it, the Patreon is is such a competitive game and we are but a small podcast as I frequently say uh, but it really has once once the Patreon snowball started to form, it really has only grown. And particularly during the pandemic and during the lockdown, people have really dug deep. And there have been those who have put their money where their mouth was and supported the arts and supported artists such as myself and many others who, like so many in other professions, have had reduced and lost work because of the pandemic. But I have been one of the very fortunate ones because myself and my family and all my loved ones have been safe and that I have had a mobile setup to keep recording this podcast. And it has been one of the great joys to hear of how people have gone out for their walk, 
you know, and it might be only their one walk of the day or one time outside of their homes and they've listened to an episode of Fireside and I love that so much. I appreciate that so much. So please do continue to send me your messages and shout outs uh, on Instagram whenever you want to contact me. It's the best way to get me. If you're not on Instagram, the best way to get me is by email at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. That's for that. Uh, It's great to be recording the podcast again. I just took a week off which was really needed and it was really really enjoyable I yeah there was the mix up of the last two episodes where I recorded episode 80 and then in a really bizarre memory scary memory lapse I realized I hadn't recorded episode 79 because I write the podcast ahead of time so because I'd had a memory because I had written the script that I must have recorded the episode so I had to do a quick re-record and record released 79 two weeks ago and then just released 80 last week so because of that I indirectly was ahead of myself and myself and my girlfriend went on a, a staycation as they're called we went away to the Irish countryside um, to the Midlands to the heart of Ireland for a week we found ourselves a wooden cabin by Loch and we had the absolutely most beautiful beautiful week off together and it it ended up being quite a fantastic journey for me discovering more of the mythology of the country as well because we picked we were just outside we were on Lockery which is just outside Athlone just past the Westmead border when you're going into Roscommon so really proper midlands of Ireland and it's not a place I'd stayed before and we had found it because we were looking for a place we like weird and wonderful little tiny homes and alternative types of accommodation whenever we use Airbnb or the like and we found this a place that was advertised as a magical lakeside yurt and that couldn't have been more up our street so we found it and it just happened to be here so we went there and we thought we'd just go out you know swim and take a boat out onto the lake which we did we rented a rented a little fishing boat and went out and we we went there was an island there was several little islands on this Lockery is the second largest river or second largest lake on the river Shannon which is Ireland's largest river uh, for any of our outside Ireland listeners and it was massive really really big lake and loads of little islands within the lake and we were able to pull up and uh, tie the boat up on one of the islands onto one of the largest ones which was known as Quaker Island and on Quaker Island there were the remains of five early Christian churches one of which is the smallest church in Ireland and it was just after we were on this lake or on this island that I was informed and realised that this island was where Queen Maeve of Connacht was to have been murdered which just set us on an incredibly new journey having just come out of adapting the Thawne and the Ulster cycle to have suddenly stood on this place the very bathing area where Queen Maeve was murdered by her own nephew with a slingshot was incredible and so once we were on Quaker Island we had to explore more. So we went to Rathcrohan, which is deeper into Roscommon, which was the site of Crohan Fort. Uh, it was the the seat of Connacht's power, and it is where Queen Maeve and King Alil 
uh, ruled from and it's where the journey of the Thorn started. So we stood on her ancestral home ground and we went to the museum which had prints of the Louis Le Brocchi illustrations and brush paintings from Thomas Kinsella's adaptation of the Thorn which are my favorite illustrations in anything ever. I want them all tattooed all over my body. And it was incredible to learn more about where the history and the mythology mix with each other. And I could talk for ages and ages about it. And I probably will do a podcast more about this trip. And I'd be more than delighted anyone who's coming to Ireland or anyone who's in Ireland who's looking for a place within the country to go. I'd love to tell you more about this place because I couldn't recommend this place we stayed and this is an area for a place that you'd probably never think of to go. You know, if you're going on holidays you know you're in within Ireland you're going to go to the bigger spots you're going to go to Galway to Belfast to Cork you know uh, I certainly wouldn't have thought of you know Athlone as a holiday destination and it was it was a fantastic one it was exactly what we needed and exactly what we wanted and yeah I could go on and on but I won't because we're here to do a storytelling podcast and not my my travel show might talk a little bit more after the podcast, after the story itself. But to get down to that story, this was a tale that came from Sean O'Sullivan's book, Folk Tales of Ireland, which was one of my earliest texts and that has outside of the Yeats and Lady Gregory books been the absolute gospel for Fireside. It is hands down, having revisited it, I had done a lot of the early episodes from it and having now revisited after some time I can fully say that it is the best book of folk tales that you can get in Ireland now it costs a pretty penny it you know it isn't the prettiest edition it's not hardback you know it it's not a very attractive looking book you know like I, I've got some folklore books that I bought purely because of how magical and tomey they looked like I have a a treasury of Irish folklore which is basically just the WB Yeats book of Irish folk tales but in a really gorgeous emerald green hardcover and it looks like a spell book and that was and it was gold paper and I that was totally a cosmetic purchase and I stand by it and it's absolutely gorgeous but this Folk Tales of Ireland book was written by Sean O'Sullivan, who was head of the Folklore Commission of Ireland. So he was really the guy. Oh, Jesus, the recorder fell. Yeah. He was really the guy you wanted to follow. And the more I read up on about it, I realized this was the text I needed to get. But it was very dear. And certainly I, I bought it in a shop. I bought it in Hodgson, Vegas in Dublin. And it doesn't see it seems like it's a mistake that it's as much as it is but i guess it's just quite a rare book to find so yeah if you are interested in it um don't be surprised if you're paying about 40 dollars for it uh, or 40 euro over here and yeah it is it's it's well worth it it doesn't you'll be very disappointed when you see what it looks like i'm sure you'll see the cover if you were to buy it on amazon although try and shop more try and find it more locally try and have your local bookshop get it in for you uh, if you are interested in it but it's just got a lot of stories in it none of them are quite tight packed so that's why I kind of had drifted away from it a bit because a lot of the stories in it need expanding but having gone from various different sources since then and now returning to it I realized 
how much it really does get the essence of these stories and it is such a great starting off point for particularly for the likes of me adapting these stories so there was no better place to look for than to do our first story about a leprechaun that most misunderstood of Irish fairies always wanted to stay away from leprechauns for as long as possible and I quite successfully did so because I obviously just forgot about them then after about a year you know I wanted to cover I was slow to cover a banshee you know I wanted to do pukas and marrows and lesser known she and lesser known fairies and I did explore them yeah but never really got around to a leprechaun I'm trying to even think of leprechauns even featured as a minor character in any of the stories there's more just been you know unnamed trooping fairies such as like in Lusmore and uh, the hunchback of Knockrafton and all those kind of tales but I found this story great title of a simple title three laughs of the leprechaun nice rule of three there always good for a title particularly and yeah there was just enough to it and I just quite liked it as a tale and I'll get down to it now and we'll talk a bit more afterwards because it's been a very long intro including my review of my recent staycation but this is the three laughs of the leprechaun on fireside The Three Laughs of the Leprechaun Once there was a poor farmer tending to his cows and fields. When rounding up the cattle one day, the farmer noted that one was missing. The field was well fenced off, there was no chance the cow had escaped. But in a far back corner, there was a broad and tall oak tree. When the farmer investigated, there was the rogue missing cow. But it wasn't just the cow the farmer discovered behind the old oak tree. The farmer supposed he had never peered behind this tree before, because surely he would have noticed the gigantic mushroom growing there. Pale red with miscellaneous spots, the fungus stood at about three foot tall, like a golf umbrella sprung from the ground. And beneath that shroom, that was behind that tree, in the place the farmer found his cow, was sat a little bearded man. Sure enough, the man was small enough to comfortably sit beneath that mushroom. In fact, he probably could have comfortably stood. The farmer leaped back at the sight of the creature and dove to hide in the tall grass of the field. He knew that this had to be one of the other folk, a she a fairy. The little man had not yet seen the farmer, so from the vantage point of his hiding place, the farmer observed. The man beneath the mushroom wore a red coat, black cocked hat, and was sporting a red beard, in the middle of which he smoked a pipe. But it was the activity he was performing which got the farmer truly excited. The little man was mending a single shoe. The evidence was enough. This fairy was a leprechaun. The farmer charged from behind his hiding place among the tall grass and grabbed the leprechaun by the collar of his red coat. Gah! cried the creature. Unhand me, human. I mean, fellow human. Mm, Nice try, said the farmer. 
I may be a poor farmer, but I'm not thick. You're a leprechaun. Now tell me where the gold is buried, or I'll cut off your head. It was said that when the Vikings held Ireland as one of the central lands of their empire, they buried and hid mounds of gold throughout the countryside. The Vikings were long gone from Ireland by the time of this tale, and the only ones who were said to know the location of the gold were the leprechauns. And it definitely wasn't at the end of any rainbow. Do your worst, scum, said the leprechaun. I'll never tell you where the gold is. The farmer had really hoped the threat of violence would be enough. He didn't know if he could actually go through with cutting the fairy's head off. So he carried the little man into his farmhouse, emptied the trunk which sat at the foot of his bed, dumped the leprechaun inside and locked it shut. Let's see how long you last in there. I promise you I won't let you out until you tell me where to find the gold. It's actually quite comfortable in here, came the muffled voice of the fairy. Also, I'm immortal. We'll see who lasts longer. Years went by and the farmer eventually all but forgot about the leprechaun locked in the trunk. He was taking a walk by the sea one day when a large piece of timber washed up on the shore. The farmer carried it home and the next time he was at the market sold the piece of timber to another farmer. When he arrived home, our farmer heard the leprechaun laugh inside the trunk. (laughs) But the farmer decided to take no notice. Seven years went by and that seemed a good length of time to learn a lesson. So the farmer took the key, unlocked the chest, and picked up the leprechaun inside. Seven years of toil and labour had aged the farmer, but the leprechaun was exactly the same. His beard hadn't even grown. Now will you tell me where the gold is? Can't do it, pal. I can never tell you. Well, I need my trunk back, So if you don't tell me, I really will cut your head off. Go on so, Pascal. I'll never tell. In his frustration, the farmer tossed the fairy back into the chest and locked it tight. And he went back to his life. A year or so after that, there came a night where an elderly beggar came to the farmer's door. May I warm myself by your heart? The farmer felt sympathy for the plight of the beggar. He took him inside and sat him by the fire. Will you stay for dinner? asked the farmer. But the beggar refused. Warmth was all that he wanted. He soon left the farmhouse and returned to the dark of night. Along the road that same night, the beggar tripped and broke his leg. And from inside the trunk back at the farmer's house, the leprechaun laughed. (laughs) Again, the farmer paid it no heed. Another seven years came and went. Cows had been birthed, reared, sold and slaughtered when farmer went to the chest once again. This is your last chance, leprechaun. Tell me where the gold is or I'll slay you here and now. I honestly dare you, Johnny. 
Do you honestly think that buried gold is worth more than your own life? Makes no difference to me, Yelachiko, but you'll never have that gold. It was nearly another seven years when there came another market day for the farmer. In the days where banks were only for more wealthy city folk, the rural dwellers would simply bury their money in the ground, safest place for it from wandering bandits and thieves. On this day, the farmer needed some funds, so went out to his hiding spot, dug up some shekels and headed off to market. When he returned, he heard yet another laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it had not quite been another seven years, but the farmer could not stand another laugh. He opened the trunk, reefed out the leprechaun and said, That's three times you've laughed in the last twenty years you've been locked in that chest. May I ask what is so funny? I don't think you'd get it, said the leprechaun. Try me. Well, all right. The first time was when you found that piece of wood on the seashore. You that covets my gold so much were unaware that timber was loaded full of riches. The farmer you sold it to is rich to this day. The farmer nearly dropped the leprechaun at this revelation, but he tightened his grip. Okay, what else? Ah, uh, the second time was definitely an acquired taste, Abukal. Tell me. Okay. The beggar who warmed himself by your fire, he broke his leg not an hour after that. He was dead of starvation a couple of days later. If he'd only accepted your offer of food, he'd still be hobbling around to this day. Good Lord. How much worse could it get? The farmer inhaled deeply. All right. And what was that laugh today? No, no. I draw the line there. No shrubberies. The farmer shook the leprechaun like a protein shake. Tell me. All right, all right, Akushla. Stop shaking me. You dug up some gold today for market, unaware that there was a bandit looking on from behind that same tree you found me. He robbed all your money once you were gone. Come on, even you have to admit, that's comical. The farmer didn't, couldn't believe it. He dropped the leprechaun and ran to discover the dug-up empty gold where his life savings once had been. The leprechaun escaped and the farmer was worse off than ever. The End <laughs> And that is the tale of the three laughs of the leprechaun on Fireside. And I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, I hope you see what I mean now when I say that just... I talk a lot a lot in the podcast about stories... Stories that just really work, you know, structurally. And this... This has an easier job than most, but it also has elements that are very common in classic folk tales and fairy tales and it's this very reason is that this has three acts it is tied together by these three wishes and it makes the tale very simple 
but it also makes it very strong because it's really focused. There's no excess characters at all. It is just a simple journey of these three laughs and these three separate incidents, you know, that make the three laughs occur. And I don't, I hadn't read another story like it, which is always what I really like. And it really just leapt off. And I know a story is really working for me if I read it once and I can then just adapt it and let my imagination run when the elements and the bones and the 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 framework of the story are just in there, you know, and then I can just colour with my own palette, you know, and I can really make the thing my own from there without feeling I need to add anything to make it work, which sometimes does happen. Sometimes I've just found a story that there's just been a, a kernel of a story and not enough to make a beginning, a middle and end to it. And that's been a lot of the fun of the challenge. Tom of the Fairies was an example of that one. Uh, that was just, yeah, that was just an element of a story that I found that I had to then kind of piece together with other bits to kind of stitch a blanket of a story together and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but it I like doing it different ways you know it makes the podcast endlessly interesting to me and I feel it makes me a better a better writer to be able to adapt to different circumstances and but this one was just joy this was an absolute joy it's really simple and there's an element of fairy folklore that I didn't know before this that I found really interesting. And I still have to see if I discover it in other stories. But, okay, so let's let's talk about the elephant in the room for a second. Let's talk about leprechauns. So, yeah. Leprechauns are so misunderstood because... Yeah, we kind of all know this because they are just what Irish people are associated with. You know, tourists come over here and they just think we're leprechauns and that we eat potatoes and that we drink Guinness. And we definitely do drink our fair share of Guinness. I wouldn't be a big fan of potatoes now, but yeah, I would have to admit that... uh, we do grow a good potato in this country. But the leprechaun thing really is a mystery. Well, it's not a mystery. I know we're it, but we aren't in any way associated with leprechauns. That is an American, an American uh, paste that has been put over Ireland, which is just what was you know sold to them over the years. There's a couple of reasons for this. So for starters, the leprechaun, as you'll see described described in this story, he doesn't wear, he doesn't dress in green. He is dressed in a red coat with a black hat. Uh, he's a shoemaker. That is sometimes known, sometimes not known. Um, he does know where gold is buried, but most of where people came, gave the idea of leprechauns, was from the Disney movie from, I think, 1955, called Darby O'Gill and the Little People, which is a classic from a lot of people's childhoods. Um, It's a weird, weird, weird little film, and in no small part to the fact that you have Sean Connery doing Sean Connery's own accent, saying that he's from Dublin. But Walt Disney was 
like personally checked in and contacted the Irish Folklore Commission and really wanted to make a film about Irish folklore and you know the banshee is involved leprechauns are involved but uh, (laughs) it is known that he didn't ask for any sources and he didn't ask for any stories he heard Walt Disney heard just enough of kind of the bones of Irish folklore and said no I can kind of work with this and so to an international audience the first taste you were getting of leprechauns was from Darby O'Gill and the little people and then over the time you had of course lucky charms which is the thing that you know few Irish people will actually know a huge amount about because we don't get lucky charms over here except in like an American section of a fancy supermarket I confess I have never had them nor do I have any intention of having them I don't think marshmallows have any place in a breakfast cereal and if they aren't ones with marshmallows they definitely have something that also is just like sweets and not breakfast cereal breakfast cereals in general are the devil though um I don't you I don't need to say that to anyone but yeah from lucky charms you get the real as cartoony full-on negative image of a leprechaun as you can get with the high-pitched voice the smoke and the pipe the tiny the green the catchphrase the everything and that's you know what they're coming over here with and yeah i mean it's wild on saint patrick's day and all then you have it on saint patrick's day as well which you know is commemorating the patron saint of ireland who was a Briton originally you know was taken into slavery in ireland and then came back and brought christianity here fair enough yeah but yes on saint patrick's day all you'll see is leprechaun hats and all you'll see sold is leprechaun hats i you know in the same way that like on easter you know you're not seeing loads of crosses and stuff about jesus around unless you're in mass you're just seeing loads of easter eggs you know it's it all comes from the tying tying every you know every christian holiday has a pagan tie-in that we celebrate both of you know easter christmas and saint patrick's day is no no exception to that in that it's the christian christian holiday that kind of has this pagan influence involving in the leprechaun but the leprechaun has never been a major figure in Irish folklore like I have found very few stories involving him certainly very few good ones and that's what's quite strange is so like there's no better example by the fact that the Irish folklore museum in Dublin is called the National Leprechaun Museum and it is called that because that's the best way to get an audience to it and that is totally fine and that is why it has an audience and if you haven't got it is actually a brilliant tour you know i'd love to work with the guys in the in the folklore museum i did email them once and they never got back to me um which i'm <laughs> she probably shouldn't be naming and shaming them but i will um because they had their chance and hopefully we will work together again in the future because i would you know they are the national I would call them the National Folklore Museum. They're not the National Folklore Commission. That's out in UCD. But they have great storytellers and it's a great tour. It has a bad name, I think, for those who haven't gone on it because all you think of when you see the National Leprechaun Museum is that there is a really big chair in it. I spoke about this earlier in the podcast, like in the very early days when I actually went on the tour. 
uh, I went on their night tour that they do, which is awesome. But when you go on the tour, they kind of get the leprechaun out of the way at the beginning. They basically say, yeah, that was just kind of to, to lure you in, but we kind of hate leprechauns. And they'll tell you a little bit of a story. But then it's just all about like the Tua de Danan and you got your, you know, you got your changeling stories, your puka stories. Like they told the story of the man who had no story. Uh, it was brilliant brilliant tales on it and it's a great great tour so but the leprechaun is just a bait because that is just what the tourist draw is and it's it's actually like the the fairies would be proud at the bait and switch that the le- the leprechaun museum is in that we're gonna say it's like okay yeah let, you know they came for the leprechauns now let them stay for the actual good shit you know and so I couldn't recommend the National Leprechaun Museum more for that. But it is, again, another amazing example of the groan that leprechauns induce. And I think that the groan that Irish people still can feel about our own folklore and our own tradition is in no part because of a shame of the leprechaun. And that's why I was... I don't know what it, why now. I don't know why I suddenly just went... It just, yeah, it just occurred to me that I hadn't done a leprechaun story and it just seemed like a good time now as we're in a kind of transitional period in the podcast between mythic cycles. It seemed as good a time as ever to just do a story about it. But it's definitely opened a potential can. Because, like, I have a lot of vague knowledge about leprechauns, you know, like the Darby O'Gill stuff and all, but it would be very interesting to to see is it as simple as that is it as simple as Darby O'Gill is it as simple as Lucky Charms you know coming from the rainbow and the cartoon imagery and then obviously in the late 80s early 90s whenever this they started there was also the Leprechaun horror movies which I confess I've not seen any of nor do I really intend to but these are what your Leprechauns in media are so I'd like to read for you my book on Irish fairies by Bob Curran. Great little pocket book that I thought I'd lost my copy of. I confess, I couldn't say that. That this is not my copy of it. This is my friend Lee Coffey's copy that he generously gave me in his home after a session many years ago that I've to this day never given back to him. And he's actually bought another copy of it since. So I am keeping this forever. And I found it again. And the leprechaun is on the cover of it. And he has quite uh, an expansive chapter in him uh, on him. So I won't read all of that. But just to read the description of him in it. Uh, leprechauns take the form of an aged, diminutive man who usually functions as a fairy shoemaker. Indeed, the name leprechaun may have been derived from the Irish Levrogan uh, shoemaker, although it has also been suggested that its orange may lie in Lucharmans, Irish for pygmy. They are frequently to be found in an intoxicated state caused by the consumption of pochine, which they brew themselves. However, they never become so drunk that the hand which holds the hammer becomes unsteady and their work affected. If anything, too much drink men- makes them even more sullen and argumentative. 
Leprechauns are usually described as small, untidy men about three feet in height, dressed in green coats with red breeches, buckled at the knee, woolen stockings and wide-brimmed hats, slightly askew one side. They constantly smoke foul-smelling pipes called duddines and tend to have a surly and sour disposition. Not surprisingly, the leprechaun is a solitary creature and is to be found inhabiting shoes... Uh, or gullies or lurking behind bushes or under hedges tapping on a shoe that he is making that the sound of his labor is the only single signal that he is there so even from all of that well interesting you have the green coat described there which i found actually a number of places distancing themselves from and claiming that that is a much more recent thing um but it's all about the shoes and all about the gargle as well uh Puchin is Irish moonshine for those who don't know and no pot of gold no rainbow none of that and certainly what's interesting about this story with the three laughs of the leprechaun is there is gold and it's viking gold that was the element that I thought was very interesting I'd never heard of that of it being viking gold that was buried and I found that a really interesting aspect because Ireland was kind of the Vikings' treasure island. And I kind of, and I mean that very specifically, as in like it was where the wealth was brought to, you know, and there was, there's an argument that the, that the founding of Dublin and the holding of Dublin as a Viking empire, where it became the centre of the Viking empire for a while and kind of, they almost spread themselves too thin and uh, started the collapse of the Viking Empire there uh, because they were drawn so much. Like the largest, the largest Viking longboat still in existence uh, was made with Irish oak. So it was even a central shipbuilding place uh, for them. Uh, Dublin particularly so you had all of this wealth that was being marauded and pillaged and plundered all over uh, most of Europe and a lot of it was being kept in Ireland and then when the Vikings were gone and a lot of the wealth was still just buried and who else to know where it is but those who live underground and so the fairies got associated with this and from that the leprechaun but the leprechaun would be described now as the national fairy of Ireland uh, an outrageous claim if you were to ask me or anybody else who knows any of the other fairies but such is the case we're we're kind of stuck with them now and you know you we kind of have to own it we kind of have to own the leprechaun so that he can't be used against us you know because he is used as a derogatory term it is a thing that irish people are called on the street you know and yeah it's cry me a river you know people are having a lot worse cried at them all the time and a lot more hurtful and a lot more derogatory and awful. But that is a thing that is yelled at Irish people. And it's what we got. So it is like the rest of our folklore. It's something we should just all know a little bit more about. And anyone who's interested in so like, you know, anyone who listens to this podcast, you know, you might be Irish, you might have Irish roots, you might have no Irish roots at all. And you might just be interested in other cultures or in Irish culture and storytelling in general. But... You know, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a very large chance that if you know anything about Irish folklore, you're going to know leprechauns. You're going to know leprechauns and the banshees. So I hope that that has cast a little bit more of a light on them. And, you know, if I find any more good stories on them, I will do them. And 
myself too to learn a little bit more about our supposed national fairy of Ireland. So I hope you enjoyed the story. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'll wrap things up now. I want to thank you all so much for listening. Thank you to Jamie, my editor, for continuing to produce the podcast. To Alan and Patty uh, over at Headstuff. Can't wait to get back in the studio with you guys. Next week, we start a new chapter of cycles in the podcast. I'm looking forward to sharing them all with you. Uh, but until that time, continue to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Instagram at Fireside Bard. Support the patreon.com forward slash Fireside Podcast. I'll see you all next time. Uh, you'll hear me all. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.